So we're going to be in Luke 2 today, and I'm going to slow walk this one. I, am, uh, I was struggling all week if this was one or two sermons, and I realized, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to benefit those that came out in the snow, and I'm going to take you into, uh, into the pastor's study a little bit, and there's probably about 90% of what I come up with in preparation during the week never makes it to the sermon. Did you know that? I, I could actually, if everything went how I wanted, I would preach three to four hour sermons. I'd take a break in the middle because I would simply need food. And I would preach about three hours because there's just so much stuff. There's so much wonderful food in any section of scripture. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we'll see how far we get. If we make all four points, we'll make all four points. If we make one point, we'll make one point. But I want to slow walk this for you guys today just to allow you a little bit more meat as a, uh, as a oh, encouragement, I guess, to, to make it out in the snow or if you're not feeling well or something like that. Now, if there's a big letdown, it won't show up on sunny days. Let's, uh, well, let's start, with, let's start with the text and then we'll go to a question. So I'm in Luke 2, and we see starting in verse 8, In the same region there were shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have a question, and I want you to think about it. And we are small enough today that I think we can actually stop and think about it. What is, now pay attention here because you've got to engage with me for a moment. What is the most terrifying experience you've ever had in your life to date. The most terrifying experience you've ever had in your life to date. Now, I need you to come up with something. If you're comfortable with answering it, that'd be great. Wow. A car accident in an ice storm, five months pregnant, flipped over. Everybody agree that'd be a little bit terrifying? Anyone else have one that you're willing to share? Go ahead, Samuel. Oh. Blood flying everywhere, six-year-old kid. That's kind of terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Everyone has something terrifying. Everybody, you don't have to share it, but has everybody landed a terrifying experience? Whatever you've landed, that's not it. As, as horrendous as Samuel's experience was, nah, not that terrifying by the time we're done. It means you've got to stay to the end. Even Barb, five months pregnant, flipped over in the ice. Not as terrifying as you think compared to what should be 
the most terrifying experience you should have had in your life to date? Do you want to know what it is? We'll go to our text. You see, this wasn't going to make it into the regular sermon. See what happens you come out in the snow. So I got shepherds out in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord, sh- glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? So everybody got a Bible? We're going to walk through these things a bit today. So if you don't have a hand, get it out. They were phobeo, phobos, megas. Those are the root Greek words. You can figure out phobeos, phobos, megas. Mega, super, fear. Terrified to the point of death. What were they terrified about? The glory of the Lord shone around them. You know what the glory of the the Lord is, my friends? So think about this. Again, I'm taking you behind the scenes. I don't know how far we're going to get, but I'll have fun. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Who are they living with? They were talking with God and walking with God and interacting with God. Bear with me. What did he look like? Picture God in the Garden of Eden in your mind. Don't share what you think. Trust me, I'll show you why in a minute. But picture God in the Garden of Eden. I suspect some of you are picturing a massive giant. You can maybe see up to his waist, white robes, big feet, right? And he's walking, and then little Adam and Eve. Well, what did God look like in the Garden of Eden? Do you ever think about that? The Shekinah glory of God. God is invisible. How do you see the invisible? Well, you move a little further forward into Exodus 40, and you see God in the tabernacle, and God leading his people in the wilderness in a pillar of smoke and fire. The Shekinah glory of God. I don't mean like a little smoke. I mean like thunderclapping, lightning-inducing, inexplainable light, cloud, and fire. It dwelled in the tabernacle. It dwelled in the temple. It left the temple in Ezekiel 8 to 10. The Shekinah glory of God. God is invisible. God manifests his presence in light. The Shekinah glory of God. Got a lot of things I could say here. 1 Timothy 6.16. It tells us God dwells in unapproachable light. That's the Shekinah glory of God. Now, do you know this song? I want to see you. I want to touch your face. Right? You've heard me sing the, the, you know, I'm a famous singer. You know the song I'm talking about? Can I just point out, I'm not so sure you want to be touching God's face. In fact, I'm quite sure you don't want to see God's face. But number six, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Well, well, don't we say, God, I want to see your face. I want you to lift up your countenance upon me. Careful, because these shepherds were in a field, tending their flocks by night. An angel showed up. They're scary. Remember Zechariah? Fear. Mary? Fear. Shepherds? Fear. But it got scarier. It says, the glory of God, the glory of the Lord shone around them. For the first time since Ezekiel 8 through 10, God's manifest presence has returned to dwell amongst people. Not in a cloud, not in a tent, not in a building, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the manifest presence of God showed up, they were phobos, phobos, megas, filled with great fear. God is terrifying. Ask a lost person what they think about God. Well, God is like a loving grandpa. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is kind. He's, he just, he loves everybody. You know what you'll never hear a lost person say? 
I cannot dwell, I cannot contemplate the reality of God because it is too terrifying. You ever hear that from a lost person? Now, can we be honest, friends? Who here has truly been terrified of God? Right? Thank you for your honesty. But it is only to the extent you are terrified of God that the grace of God becomes the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Listen, as I look in Scripture, and this is where we can really slow down a minute, go to Matthew. We'll see how far we get. I, I don't, why, what's the rush, right? If we're looking at the manifest beauty of God in Christ Jesus, what's the rush? Matthew 17. The Shekinah glory of God dwelt in Christ. That's what's going on here. The, the Shekinah glory of God has reappeared after Ezekiel 10 in the person of Christ Jesus. You know, you know the story of the transfiguration? After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So, you ever watch professional football players? Cam Newton does this, scores a touchdown. Kind of his Superman thing. Well, he got it from Jesus. Jesus goes up on the mountain. He got some disciples. He's like, hey, guys. Except when he did that, look what happened. It said it right there. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He's still speaking. He just, he's just yapping. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just talking. And while he's speaking, behold, look at this. A bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And you all want to think like, it's God. It's the manifest presence of God. Come closer. Jesus, I want to touch your face. No, it doesn't say that. It says, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Remember Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6. I told you you're going to have to work those Bibles today. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has a vision of the Lord. It says in the holy, holy, holy. You guys, in the, in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. Verse chapter 6. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With the two he covered his face, and with the two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, God, I want to touch your face. God, to, to see you praise. No, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let's keep going to Ezekiel. I'm just picking folks who saw God, who had a vision of God. Go to Ezekiel 1. Careful here if you want to see God. You'll see him one day, but careful. Now, I'm not done with this. The title of the sermon is From Terror to Joy, right? I'm stuck on the terror part for a little bit, but if you bear with me, I'll get you to the joy. But look at Ezekiel. Dude got a vision of God. I mean, we got spinny things and wings flapping and crazy creatures that would blow your mind. You think about what God has created. Read Ezekiel. The snow ain't nothing compared to these, these creatures in Ezekiel. But when you get down to verse 28... Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And here's what Ezekiel does when he sees it. And when I saw it, I ran to God and hugged him, and we embraced. 
No. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Dude, hit the deck. I'll give you just one more. I could do this all day. Revelation chapter 1. John saw the Lord. Look at this. Get down to 117, assuming that I can make it there. Here we go. He's got, he's got this beautiful vision of, of Christ. Voice talking in verse 12. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw the seven golden lampstands, and in their midst of the lampstand was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of her head were the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining full strength. John says, Jesus, I want to hug you. No. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. These are righteous folks made righteous by God. They saw God. They were scared out of their wits. So back to Luke 2. These shepherds in a field, tending their flock by night. These poor guys, they're just minding their business. And all of a sudden, an angel showed up. That's scary enough. But then the manifest presence of God the Shekinah glory of God shone around them. And they were phobeos, phobomegas. Absolutely, totally terrified beyond any terror they had ever experienced. Now, here's the rub. And here's where American Christianity falls apart. And we're actually going to get into this during our Sunday school time today, which should, should be some really good conversation. Why are we not terrified of God? Why, why, why do we not see God as frightening, terrifying? God is awful, full of awe. The reason we don't see him as such, <laughs> you know people talk about having a bad dream, you wake up in the middle of work or class, you're totally naked. You know why that's a bad dream? I've never had that one, but you know why that's a bad dream? Would anyone here, please, no volunteers, but would anyone like to, to strip down and stand in the middle of the room? Would anyone like to share every thought they've had over the past 24 hours? In fact, can I have someone's smartphone? Sorry. And we'll just go through your Google history with the church. Anybody up for that? Who wants to be exposed? for the fullness of who they are in their heart. You know those thoughts you have that you don't tell people because they think you're crazy? We all have them, so don't pretend you don't. You know when you're, you're driving and someone cuts you off, and you're like, I wish they would die. And you're like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Maybe it's not driving. Maybe it's something else. That family member, that co-worker, that, that, that neighbor, you, you fill in the blank. That person who you haven't had God-honoring thoughts about, God, I praise you for my neighbor. May you bless and honor them for your glory. No. But until we see the reality of who we truly are, and we only see it before God. And when Isaiah saw who he was before God, woe is me. When John saw who he was before God, fell on his face dead. Ezekiel, dropped. Shepherds, terrified. The disciples, up on the mountaintop. Whoa! Remember they're in the boat with Jesus? There's a storm. And Jesus says, be still. Why did the disciples not go, hey, good job, dude. What did they do in the boat? They were terrified. God is terrifying because 
on your own, God hates you. Mm, did I say that out loud? God is against you. God will destroy you. You are under the wrath of a holy God because sin cannot dwell with God and God must destroy sin. Until that terrifies you, Jesus is nothing important. Nothing. He's a technicality. But, but, the text didn't end with the shepherds being filled with great fear, did it? What happens when they're filled with great fear? And the Lord lifted them and mocked them and said, You pathetic sinners, go to hell. For you pretend I am not what I am. You belittle my true nature. You mock me. You talk to me as if I am simply an appeasable deity. Goodbye. See, if I was God, that's how I'd write the text. Good thing I'm not God. They're filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Imagine you are standing in front of a lion in the wilderness, a real live lion. He's in front of you. He's faster than you. He's stronger than you. And he's hungrier than you realize. Imagine the terror you would feel. Imagine a giant hand reaching down and picking up the lion who then says to you, don't worry, I got this. The terror and the relief. Amen? Our Lord Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who? A Savior who is Messiah, the Lord. What is the good news of the gospel? Hmm. It's this. Jesus came to save you from the wrath of God. Period. End of story. That's the gospel. Jesus didn't come to take care of your bad habits. He didn't come to make you happy. He didn't come to meet your felt needs. He came to save you from the wrath of God, and he is God himself. A savior who is Christ the Lord. You hear me there? Christ the what? The what? You went from enemies, condemned, exposed, hell-bound, God against you to forgiven, reconciled, adopted children of God. We have Romans 5.1 in Christ, peace with God. It ain't no feeling, it's positional peace. Jesus was a propitiation for our sin. God went from against us to for us. Here's the problem, and we'll get to this, I don't know, today or next week. Y'all are evangelists. Did you know that? Who here feels like they're not very good at evangelism? Who here? Well, I'll, let's do it a different way. Who here? See, now Jan can put her hand up. The rest of you can't, maybe. Who here shared the gospel this week with someone? I mean, clearly presented the gospel. Right? But see, the truth is you all did. You just may have presented a false gospel. You will evangelize what's most important to you. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's grandkids. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's vacation. Maybe fill in the blank. But you talk about what's most important to you. Anybody talk to anyone this week? What'd you talk about? I like to talk about me. I'm an evangelist for John. 
little by little by grace through faith, becoming an evangelist for Jesus. But it is only to the extent that we see God as terrifying, that we could see God as gracious, that we will boast in him. Did you know that? My friends, we live in a culture that says God is an appeasable deity or God is like your grandpa. Scripture does not present God like your grandpa. Scripture presents God as a consuming fire who will destroy you because you are in sin. But it presents God as a God who comes and says, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Why fear not, God? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but what? You know the next verse? There's the kicker with John 3.16. Y'all know John 3.16, don't you? What about 17 and 18? Does anyone have those memorized? You know why? They're a little scarier. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Huh. And this is a judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. See, you, you got you to gotta land this. What is the single most terrifying experience you've ever had in your life? Bob's is scary. Terrifying, I think, is a fair word. Samuel's, fairly terrifying, yeah? Especially as a poor little kid. Y'all have horrendous, terrifying experiences in life. We live in a fallen world. But until you come to experience the terror of God... You can never truly and fully experience the grace of God. Otherwise, God's a God of technicality. Well, I get on a technicality, I can't get into heaven, but God cleaned that up in Jesus. Praise God. I want to see your face. Careful. People tell me all the time, God spoke to me. I'm going to tread real lightly here. Please have follow-up questions. God spoke to me. Can I tell you something? God did not speak to you. Because if God, and I'm talking outside of scripture, if God spoke to you, if you had some sort of vision of God and God spoke to you, here's what you would come back and say. Uh-huh. 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 Woe is me. Or we find you face down on the floor. Well, uh, what's wrong down there, Jan? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You saw God, didn't you? Uh-huh. People, they, 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 they have this vision of, listen, We can experience a relationship with God. That's the beauty of where we're going. Don't miss where we're going. These guys, who do they go and see? Jesus. But but don't treat God so lightly, because 99.99% of the time, God spoke to me, but then God changed his mind over here. Listen, the only reason we can dwell with God is by grace through faith. But the reason you don't dwell with God right now is because you can't, because you are still not practically perfect. Positionally, yes. Practically, you still sin. Jesus is perfecting you, preparing you for eternity with God. But when you enter into the presence of God, you become sin-free. You become practically what you already are in Christ positionally. Trust me, you don't want to see the Shekinah glory of God right now, but one day you will when you are practically perfect in a perfect body with a perfect mind, a perfect heart, and perfect thoughts. And you, like Adam and Eve, but only better, will dwell with God in perfection. God is not your homeboy. You ever see those shirts? Jesus is my homeboy. If you have them, burn them. He's not your homeboy. He is Yahweh incarnate. Jesus don't play would be the better shirt. They are filled with great fear. But God says through the angel, and you've got to grab these words, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a rescuer, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. 
You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. These poor shepherds. One angel is scary. The Shekinah glory of God is terrifying. They got a whole multitude of angels. They probably had to change their shepherd drawers, if you know what I mean. These poor guys. And the whole multitude, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds cleaned themselves up and changed their clothes, they said to one another, this is a continual action verb, let, 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 this is how it literally would translate. Let, 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 What's it say in verse 12? It says, this will be a sign for you, but notice, look close here, friends. It doesn't say it's a command. It just says there will be a sign. How'd the angel knew they would go? Oh, pivot point into sermon. Here's the fall apart of American Christianity. A Christian in our culture will intellectually affirm that God is who he says he is in Scripture. They will. That's what saved people do. They will affirm that they are a sinner in need of salvation. It's just what a, a Christian person does. Those are truths. Okay? Is everyone here who's trusted in Christ affirm that God is exactly who he says he is in Scripture? Amen? Does everyone here who's a believer affirm that you are a sinner who is only saved by grace through faith and only through the Lord Jesus Christ can you be made right with God. Amen? You might not be saved yet because you know what Christian people do. They do what the shepherds did. What did the shepherds do? They pursued Christ. They went after Jesus. Do you pursue Christ? Do you Know God for who he is. Have you been reconciled to God through the gospel? If so, do you pursue Christ? Do you follow Christ? Or we'll say it this way. Do you walk by faith? It's not optional. It wasn't a command. You will go and see this baby or you will die. No. It's here's a sign for you. And they said... Let's go see this thing. You catch that word in the text, thing? Rhema in the Greek, word. They heard the word of God. They responded to the word of God. Here's the defining mark of a believer. They hear the word of God. They respond to the word of God. God said it. That settled it. Amen? Well, think about it. Is that how you view the word of God? Or do you wrestle with God? Are you like Israel? Are you like Jacob? God says, do this. I says, not so fast. God's trying to talk. I muzzled him. God gave a command. I said it was a request. God said, do. I said, you do it. Do you know why we do that? Because you don't know God. You've not been terrified by God. So grace has not overwhelmed you. So you simply don't see God as a good, good father. If you understood who you were apart from Christ, and then who you are in Christ, when that God who is king said, do this, you would say, amen. You are good all the time. You are kind and perfect and trustworthy and merciful, gracious, abounding in love, strong, caring, providing, 
Of course I'll do what you say. But we don't because we forget to start with terror on our way to joy. They were filled with grace. I mean, think of the emotional roller coaster. They're just watching sheep. They're terrified. Fear not. They go. And what do they see? Mm. Mm. What happened? Oh, oh, how far do I want to go into this? You will find a baby whopped and whopped inside the way clothes. <laughs> hey, well, be a little wabbit. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. All babies were wrapped in swaddling cloths in Jewish culture, period. That's what all babies do. But what was the next part? Lying where? In a stinking feeding trough? How many babies do you suspect were in a feeding trough that night in Bethlehem? You want me to, I, I actually did some research. You want to know the number? One. Not zero. Come on now, one, Evelyn, careful. It would be like this. Hey, Patty, I want you to go down to Wawa, and you'll find a baby levitating over pump three. What's Patty going to do? Hopefully look at me like I'm crazy and call Laura. But if God said that, if Patty was saved, which I affirm she is, you know what Patty would do? In her mind, she'd wrestle. That's impossible. Wait, with God, all things are possible. Heck, let's go. And you know what she would find at Wawa over pump three? Oh, they went to Bethlehem. Do you know what they found? You know how they found Jesus? you seen a baby in a, in a feeding trough? Okay. Have, have you seen a baby in a feeding? They're shepherds. These are low people in society. But they, they persevered. They endured. And what did they find? Exactly what God said they would. Mm. They went from fear to fortune, fear not. I'm using fortune as an auspicious state resulting from favorable outcomes. Amen? Fear to fortune to now what? You guys got those bulletins. What's point three? Walking by faith. And as they walked by faith, what did they find? Oh, there he is. There's Jesus. Exactly how he was supposed to be. And this is why it doesn't look right. I'm in Romans somehow. I'm like, what are you talking to Jesus? Oh, what a wretched man I am. That's not right. What happens after they saw him? Y'all got your Bibles there, right? The trick questions are for downstairs. These up here are straightforward. So they go, they're filled with great fear. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing, this rhema, this word that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. My word. They found a baby in a feeding trough. Wouldn't you love to hear those conversations? Shepherds come in. Little 13-year-old girl with a baby. They're looking at each other. You know, that's, that's how the conversation started. And Mary's like, they're like, it's God, but it's a baby. It's God, but it's a baby. It, it's God, it's a baby. And what did, what did they do when they left? Don't, don't miss this point. When they saw it, oh gosh, I hate when scripture just does this. When they saw it, they recognized that culturally it was not acceptable to talk about God, so they went home and kept it to themselves. Mm. What's it say? When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered. It doesn't mean all who heard it believed. It just means they wondered. Why did they go 
and tell people about Jesus. They, they were evangelizing. They were telling people that God has sent a Savior who will save his people from their sins. That's what they're telling people. And he's, he's in a feeding trough. The Messiah has come. The Lord Jesus has come to save people from their sins. He's, he's in a feeding trough. He's a baby. People be like, you say, what? Why would they go and do this? Because what was the single most magnificent thing in their lives at that point in time? God incarnate. A Savior who came to save them from the terror of God, to make them friends of God, having peace with God. Friends, listen, friends don't let friends play with Jesus. You cannot be saved by God if you keep him at arm's length. But God saves us in immense love for us because he desires to live in intimate fellowship with us so that we can experience the reality of who God is so that one day we will see God face to face. You will one day in Christ gaze upon the Shekinah glory of God and you will not be consumed but you will rejoice. You will actually fall before God and he will say to you, get up, let me give you a hug. Speaking proverbially here, okay? You can actually stick with this, it's saying proverbially, you can actually be hugged by Jesus himself in his Shekinah glory, not being consumed by him, but being embraced by him because his love has been poured out upon you. Do you understand the beauty of the gospel in Christ Jesus? Have you been terrified by God? We live in a culture, in American Christianity, where Jesus is my homeboy. Come play with him. No! I'm getting all worked up. I'm so sorry. Be terrified by God. He will consume you, but he offers to save you so that you can live with him. The reason people do not share the gospel is plain and simple. They do not see the beauty of the gospel as they should. Mm. How do you see the beauty of the gospel? Walk by faith. Hear God's word. Trust in God's word. Obey his word. And here's the kicker. And then we'll close here. Y'all can't do it on your own. Period. Impossible. You can only do this in a covenantally committed fellowship of believers. Don't believe me? Try it on your own. You will fail miserably. Unless you are living in difficult, increasingly intimate relationships with your brothers and sisters in your church family, you will never experience the glory of God in Christ Jesus as you should. You know why? It goes like this. I don't feel like going to church. I'm tired, snowing, my body aches, eagles are on, I'll probably be up late, I ain't going. Next week, it was kind of nice, I slept in a little bit, I didn't have to go to church, I got to listen to Pastor's sermon online, because that week it recorded, and you know, it's so much easier not dealing with the people there, that was kind of nice. You know what? It's cold out, I'm going to stay home this week too. Week three, huh, man, who the heck needs church anyway? Yeah, I keep listening to these things online. Nobody cares about me. Nobody even called about me. Those jerks, I thought they liked me. They don't even care one bit about me. Why should I care about them? Week four, right? Here's what happens in week two. Hey, Karen, where you, you, where you been? You all right? Didn't see you last week. I was not a cult. We're not running Karen down. But as you live in a relationship with someone, you notice they're not here. You can look around. Renee's not here. You know why Renee's not here? It snowed! Renee lives on top of a cliff. Renee doesn't come out when it snows. <laughs> but I know that because I know her. Yeah, so, so you live in fellowship. You encourage people. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and deceitful heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Pastor, what are you talking about? The next verse. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. By this they will know that you are my disciples. I hope to hound y'all down to follow Christ as closely as you can. And I hope you'll do the same for me. Because I can't do this on my own, nor can you. It wasn't one shepherd. It was shepherds. Friends, have you yet been truly terrified by God? Have you seen the grace of God in Christ Jesus? Have you gone and seen that all things are possible with God? Have you seen that Jesus is simply better? He is a treasure in a field. He is the greatest joy you will ever have. But you will only know that to the extent that you hear the gospel, trust in the gospel, Walk by faith in the gospel according to the word of God. Oh yeah, one more thing. Had this thing end for the shepherds. Go to verse 20. Hmm, ain't that a thing. And the shepherds returned. Where'd they return to? To the sheep. They had work to do. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Friends, we ain't there, are we? Ain't none of us there yet. But I don't know if you're interested in getting there, because I sure am, and I'd love some of you to come with me and help me out. As we know God, as we walk with God, we will proclaim the gospel of God, and we will return glorifying and praising God. Why? Because of what we have seen according to the word of God. <sighs> I'm all worn out. We serve a mighty God, but the only way to know the joy of being a child of God in Christ is to start by being terrified by the reality of who God is. So can you sing, I want to see you, I want to touch your face? You can in Christ, because I, in fact, do want to see my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face. The thought of, of my Lord embracing me as his friend, oh, it's almost too much for my mind to handle. But if I meet Jesus apart from the gospel, oh, and oh is the most ridiculously pathetic word to put in there. He will consume sin, he will destroy sin, and those who have not trusted in him will spend an eternity under the wrath of God in hell. I don't even like to say that, but it's truth. There's a balance here. You don't run up to Jesus and give him a high five. This is how you will approach Jesus. Is he worthy? Remember the song? Is he worthy? Are you worthy? Lord Jesus, I'm not worthy. And he will say, yes, you are. No, I'm not worthy. Yes, you are. No, I'm not worthy. Away from me. I'm an unclean man. He will say, by grace through faith. No, you're not. You are forgiven, cleansed, and born anew. You are worthy because I, Jesus, have made you worthy. Y'all thought it was just about some shepherds sitting in a field, watching their flocks by night. I didn't even talk about the shepherd thing. I didn't talk about the good shepherd thing. I didn't talk about Abraham or Moses or David who were shepherds. I didn't even talk about any of that stuff. I just saw the Shekinah glory of God revealed to shepherds, and they were terrified. Do me a favor. Some of y'all leave after food. Some of y'all leave after Sunday school. I hope y'all stay for Sunday school. We're going to take this a couple notches deeper and further. Before you just jump back into the culture and get going real fast with your day, 
would you at least think about for a moment the reality of who God is? Look at the windows. Where'd all that stuff come from? Stick this thing out in front of you. I mean, just take a moment like a baby does it, right? But just move it. You, you see all those, those joints and the muscles and the ligaments and how this nail thing grows? And hang on a minute. How do you even know it's there, those eyeballs that you have? That optic nerve in the back that fires neurons into your brain that somehow has the ability to think and rationalize and understand? How'd that all get there? Slow this down for a minute. In the beginning, God was. And God spoke. And God said, let there be light. The Lord God performs a second, if you will, creation, a recreation. And the light entered the world. And the world didn't know the light because the world loved darkness. Your life is a wrestle as a saint between being drawn back to the darkness in your flesh and running to the light in Christ Jesus. And every moment of every day is an answer to this question, is he worthy? You know, lost people will not deny the reality of who Christ is in hell. Did you know that? No one will ever say, I don't believe you're God. Oh, no, 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 no. You ever hear a demon say that to Jesus? You have no authority over me. You are not God. Now, what, what do the demons do when they come confronted with Jesus? They are terrified. Why? Because they're in the presence of God, apart from the gospel of God. My friends, fear, favor, faith, fervor. But don't miss the hook on this side. You cannot do it on your own. In fact, to attempt to live outside of covenantally committed relationships with one another is to walk in sin. And to walk in sin is a forgetfulness of the terror of God, the favor of God, the grace of God in Christ Jesus, the regeneration which allows us to walk by faith. And that's a battle, and then we'll, we'll close it here. Don't think for a minute that the shepherds were like, oh yeah, let's go to Bethlehem. These are people who are ceremonially unclean in Jewish culture. They are the lowest of the lows. When they would walk in, it would be, there'd be the leopards, and then, le not leopards, lepers, and then the shepherds. These are the, the scum of the earth. Going into Jerusalem was a big deal for them. So I'm sure they're like, well, but, but we, 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 we want to see, but, 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 but we don't want to go, it's scary. But, but we want to see, but we don't want to go. Now you see what the life of a believer looks like? When you hear the word of God, there will be a part of you, if you are saved, that will say, God, I, I, want, I want to trust you, but mm, stop with the but. My daddy used to say to me, no buts. Jonathan, go, go clean my car. But, 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 shh. He'd say, Jonathan, no buts. Go, go, go clean up the dog poop outside. Yeah, but, there, but, no buts. Is there between my earthly father and my heavenly father? My heavenly father has a butt. And his butt is, but God so loved the world. But while we were still sinners. And after the gracious butt, the gift of life with God is when God says do it. We, in, we as humans on this side of eternity constantly say, but I can't, but I'll do it later, but I don't have time, but, 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 but no buts. You got all the time, all the ability, all the money God has intended for you to have. Trust him. Obey him. And do you know, I guarantee this, do you know what will happen? When you come back here next week, it doesn't take long when you come back here next week and I start, what can we praise God for in prayer today? Little by little, we will grow to the point where everyone's hand will just shoot up. Do you know why? 
because we will gather on Sundays glorifying and praising God for all that we have heard and seen as it has been told us. Do you want to do that? If not, I can recommend a multitude of churches where you can play with Jesus. I don't want to play with Jesus. I want to love Jesus because he first loved me. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own, but we can do it by his power for his glory. No buts, just Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I pray, Holy Spirit, for all of us here, all those listening, that you would work mightily in our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would expose our sin. For those who have not yet trusted in you, Lord God, I pray that you would expose the depths of their heart to them and lay it on the canvas of your holiness. The thoughts, the actions, the attitudes, the lack of motivation, the selfishness, the times that are too numerous to count, where we mock you, God, where we commit spiritual adultery, sleeping with our idol of money, fame, or fortune, rather than worshiping you. Lord God, expose that sin, but then allow your grace and mercy to step in. Allow your terror to be felt so that your forgiveness can be received. Lord, for those of us who were born anew in Christ, maybe recently or maybe decades ago, would you please break up the fallow ground of our heart? Would you remind us afresh and anew, Lord Jesus, that you are not our homeboy. You're not a chum for us to play with when it's convenient. You are God. You are Yahweh, the great I am. You do not invite us into a negotiation session with you to figure out what we want to do. You command us to bow the knee. But Lord, as we bow the knee, we come to find Jesus, that while you are our King and Lord, you also reveal yourself to us as our friend. Lord, we can so casually use the phrase, I am a friend of God. God, help that not be a casual statement. Help us to just marvel at the fact that according to your word, by grace through faith, we, we, we wretched, vile sinners have been made friends of God, children of God, co-regents with Christ, eternally secure by grace through faith. Lord, please help us to know you through your word. Please help us to know ourselves through your word. Lord, cause us by the power of your spirit to fight, to fight and flee sin, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that by testing we can discern what is the will of God. And Lord, we know that doesn't happen until we get on the altar of Romans 12.1 and offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And Lord, as we do that, we come to find the beauty of your truth that as we die to self, we truly start to live. The devil is a liar, and we hear his lies every day. In this relationship, in this job, in this house, if you only had this body, if you only had this attitude, if you could only get rid of this depression, discouragement, or despondency, then you would have joy. Lord, help us to hear those lies of the devils and tell him to shut his mouth. It is only in you, Lord Jesus, that we have joy. And regardless of the circumstance we find ourselves in, regardless of the trial entrusted to us in Christ Jesus, they only come under your sovereign control to your children so that we may abound in joy as we're conformed to the image of Christ in your power and for your glory. Lord God, we praise you 
that rather than just consuming and destroying us, you cause us by grace through faith to fear. We praise you that rather than by leaving us in our fear, that you bring us good news of great joy. Lord, we praise you that on Christmas we celebrate that on that day, in the city of David, a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Holy Spirit, we praise you that by grace through faith we are born anew so that we can walk in faith, trusting you doing the right things for the right reasons. And Lord God, how incredible that we continue thanking you because beyond even faith, beyond even new life in Christ, you give us fervor and zeal and joy so that as we pursue you, we see that your word is true. We come to experience the reality of your presence as your children. And we will return always praising and glorifying God. Lord God, that's just too much. We praise you that you are a prodigal God, a God who gives way more than is appropriate. We thank you that you are an unfair God, giving to us what we do not deserve. And I pray, Lord, that we may glorify you by enjoying you as you have saved us too. And it is in the holy and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.